Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Marissa Doyen, the Hispanic Heritage Month lead within the Latinos Affinity Group of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to Un Cafecito with a Woman in STEM, a subseries of SWE's diverse podcast. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit Swede.org for more details. It is my honor and privilege to present today's guest. I'm joined by Melanie Weber, a structural and mechanical design engineer at the Boeing Company working on the CST-100 Starliner spacecraft. Currently, Melanie is the subsystem lead for crew and cargo accommodations and is the Boeing lead for the Launchpad team. She is responsible for the design of hardware to support the integration of crew and cargo into the spacecraft, including crew seats, mobility aids and handholds, cargo restraints, stowaway bags, and crew supplies as the crew and cargo accommodation subsystem lead. In her role as Launchpad team lead, she is in charge of developing ground operation launch procedures at the pad, including preparations related to crew and cargo insertion into the crew module. Previously, Melanie has worked on projects at Boeing to support the International Space Station and at Lockheed supporting the F-22 Raptor. Melanie is a graduate of the University of Texas with a Bachelor of Science in Aerospace Engineering and is a Regional Vice President for the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Thanks for joining us today, Melanie. Hi, Marisa. Thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're very excited to have you. So first question, how do you take your cafecito? Oh, oh, wow. I might be a huge fan of Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) I like it strong. I will say that uh, you will see me having a dark roast espresso. Uh, I love, you know, lattes or like a cafe misto with an extra shot of espresso. So I I like it on the the heavy dark side. The dark extra caffeine side. (laughs) Extra caffeine. Absolutely. It's what gets me going through my day. And uh, when you see me at work, you're always going to see me with, uh, uh, especially in the morning, with a cup of coffee in my hand. I love it. Uh, Okay, well, let's jump into the rest of our questions. So what initially inspired your interest in STEM? Actually, it started at a very early age, and I am fortunate that way. I, I just happened to know at a very early age that I loved everything related to science, When I was in second grade, I'd be going to the library. I'd be uh, checking out books related to earth sciences, uh, whether it's volcanoes or earthquakes or, you know, even animals. Uh, And then really my fascination with the weather and atmospheric sciences uh, really got me going. I was always intrigued with the weather, fascinated. I grew up in Corpus Christi, so we would have hurricanes and tropical storms, and that would pique my interest even more. And then it was, oh, in middle school, the end of my eighth grade year, we had a field trip to Johnson Space Center, Houston. 
And I was starting to learn about the history of human spaceflight, and I was absolutely captivated by it. I went home and told my mother about what I had learned and said, I think I either want to be an astronaut or I think I want to be an aerospace engineer. And that's kind of where my fascination of human spaceflight really came through. So here, I always thought I was going to be a meteorologist all through elementary and middle school. And then at the very end of my middle school, my last year, I I started to change over to this fascination beyond Earth <laughs> and space. Uh, so that's kind of where things got started. That's awesome. Could you walk us through some of your academic and professional accomplishments? Oh, wow. Um, Where did you go to school and how did your studies influence your career path? Yeah, absolutely. So I entered high school knowing that I wanted to be um, involved in space. Actually, it was the movie Apollo 13 that really inspired me to be an engineer. I was so fascinated by the events that occurred during that mission and what the engineers and mission controllers had to do to bring those astronauts home that I think that was the moment where like, I decided I wanted to be an aerospace engineer more so than I wanted to be an astronaut. Not so much because of what the astronauts went through, but I think it was that you know problem solving that just really inspired me. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. Uh, so I went through high school knowing that I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. And the University of Texas at Austin had an amazing uh, engineering program and aerospace engineering as a major. I had always been a fan of the Texas Longhorns. So that was a really easy decision for me. I wanted to go to Texas um, and get a degree in aerospace engineering. And while I was there, I made sure that I was very active in other organizations. I joined SHIP, the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. I was involved in SWE, of course and uh, AIAA. Uh, and I tried to be as involved as I could with through the engineering college and even through the university. And so I made sure to, you know, really in- inspire other students to keep going as well. And we would also bring prospective students on campus and show them around. So I was also helping with trying to bring in high school seniors into our engineering program. Uh, so Uh, While I was at Texas, I had an internship through Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, and that's when I realized that I also love fighter jets, and I'm intrigued with them. So I did end up going to uh, Lockheed Martin Aeronautics in Fort Worth uh, to work on the F-22 Raptor shortly after I graduated, but this calling to work on human space flight was still there, and that's when I joined Boeing to work on the International Space Station. And that was a really cool job because I got to work on on-orbit installations and modifications. So that was at a time when the ISS was still being built. I was having to feed directions to astronauts so that they could install fluids or wiring either externally or internally. Um, so that was a really great you know, run through of ISS and how ISS works and how the astronauts basically build this enormous station. Um, And then from that, um, I had the opportunity to join what is now the CST-100 Starliner program to build, design, test a human-rated spacecraft. So uh, I am absolutely living my dream. Uh, But I think, you know, there's more in my future. I think I can do more, and I'm excited to do more 
so that's pretty much how things came to be um, to where I am at right now. Well, that's awesome. Um, what would you say, obviously you said some of your favorite um, classes in school were science, but did you take any classes that you weren't expecting to like or any classes that surprised you? And did those have any influence on your career and what types of projects you put yourself in? That's a great question. Um, you know, there were some courses that I can say I wasn't super thrilled at or good at. And I think it's okay for you to say what you're not, you know, what your weaknesses could be. I was not great with uh, electrical wiring. I just not what I would call myself a sparky. It just wasn't intuitive for me. I, it was it was harder for me to grasp those concepts. Um, I was more of a hands-on, structural, mechanical, see things type person. Uh, I wasn't good with software. No, I, that was not my strength at all. Um, you know, I was nervous about, there's one class that kind of stuck out. I was nervous about orbital mechanics. And I didn't think I would like that, or I thought it would be very difficult, but it ended up being so fascinating for me. Uh, so a part of me, you know, kind of would love to get back involved in orbital mechanics and setting trajectories of spacecrafts to go far beyond. So, you know, it kind of was related to a, everything I always wanted to do, but definitely you know, really on that technical side. Uh, so that one was a lot of fun, but uh, uh, the most, one of the most interesting one classes I got to take at Texas, it was history of human spaceflight. And we had an amazing professor. He had been a deputy administrator of NASA and he had some you know, real stories to tell us in terms of, you know, lessons learned and, you know, maybe things that he regretted and things that we should pay attention to in the future. And it was extremely fascinating um, to get some of that insight that I may never have had before. So that was definitely one of my favorite classes as well. Would you say there are any people or groups in your life that have significantly supported you or impacted your career in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I have an amazing supportive family. I come from a long line of educators, of teachers and principals. So I was fortunate that there was never a question of if I was going to go to college. It always was, I'm going to college. You are going to college. And I know that I'm just very lucky to have had that support from the very beginning. And yes, I have shirts that I was wearing in elementary, you know, of colleges. It was never a question. Um, and thankfully, I have a family that is just as passionate about what I do. <laughs> They're always there asking me how I'm doing, uh, pushing me, supporting me. I've never had a single negative comment come from any of my family members. There never was a, oh, you can't do that, Mija. You know, that's going to be too hard for you. Thankfully, I was lucky that I always had a very supportive family. And it was always, well, what do you want to do? And I know you're going to do a great job. And that's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep doing more. We can't wait to see what else you are going to do in your future. Um, so without a doubt, I was lucky that I had this extremely supportive family surrounding me and just 
allowing me to be me and being there for when I had the hard days, but also encouraging me and saying, you can do this. You know, you just had a bad day. You'll be okay tomorrow. And just always believing in me. It's so great. I love to hear that. Um, what kind of obstacles have you faced as a double minority in STEM and how have you overcome them? And if you have any, what advice would you give to the younger generation of Latinas? That's a great question. And it's so funny that you say double minority because I don't think I ever thought that before. Um, I, I, I guess I've never said those words before. So that in itself is just kind of like eye opening going, yeah, as a, as a woman, in a male-dominated field and also a Hispanic in this uh, field, yeah, you, you kind of are at that double minority, but I'd never thought of it that way. So thank you for saying that because um, that's definitely intriguing to, to think about. Uh, but yeah, there are times where you are brought into a room with other people and you look around and you're like, yeah, I'm the only woman and yeah, I'm the only one that's Hispanic as well. And that happens. and. Um, I don't know if I would say there's a lot of challenges, but you can notice it sometimes. There are days when I notice it, but there are days that I'm so involved in work that I don't really see it either. Um, I did notice it also when I was at Texas. I would be in a very large class of people, maybe 100 people in, in say, physics or in, in chemistry class and just kind of looking around going, wow, I'm definitely sticking out in this crowd. But you know what? I don't think I ever had that you can't do it because you're a woman or you can't do it uh, because you're Hispanic. I had I made sure to surround myself with a supportive group of, you know, whether it's family or even friends, which is why I joined SHIP. It is why I joined SWE. It was to have that support around you and to remind yourself that you are not alone, even in times that you might feel like you are alone. Uh, so please be active in these affinity groups, whether, you know, whether it's SWE or SHIP or anything outside of that, um, because that will help you network and it will help you feel that you can do anything, right? That there are people supporting you, even if they don't know you that well, they want you to succeed and you need to make sure you surround yourself with people that are positive, that want to see you succeed and not people that might be jealous of what you're accomplishing and sending negative you know, comments to you. you. You really need to push that negativity out of your life and surround yourself with positive people and positive energy. That's such great advice. Thank you. What would you say is significant about being a Hispanic or a Latinx leader within your company and within you know, the space industry? Um, that's a wonderful question. You know, it is about diversity. Not everybody thinks the same way. And that's also because of your personal experiences in life. You may consider something that somebody else doesn't consider, even when it comes to genders. You know, I've, I've had an instance where it's really funny, actually. Um, I, part of my job, I have to work, uh, with how would I say this? Uh, hygiene operations for astronauts. That includes bio waste and collection of such. And I had a male coworker, and one time he said, "Well, that's not that. That's not how that works. You don't just go to the bathroom and 
uh, you know, expect to urinate and then, and then defecate. <laughs> and, uh, we, we had to look at him and I'm like, um, well, no, that happens to women. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he didn't know. He's just a man. He didn't know that that's how that happens. And that's why the diversity is so important. But it's also important, not just with genders, but, you know, also uh, ethnicities, because there are times I'm like, hey, you just need to keep in mind that, you know, this person, because we do have international partners that are astronauts, right? And they do have different cultures and views. And it is things that we have to work through and and be like, hey, this might be your personal story or what you know, but you need to consider how these other people were raised and what is important in their life. And we need to be cognizant of that and understand and make these accommodations for them because it is important for them. So for us to be successful in our jobs, we do need to consider everything, all aspects and hearing everybody's personal story, where they came from, what's important for them, it really helps unite the team. And it also just helps us be a better team. And in fact, there have been times that I've had to come out and say, um, I think somebody had asked, you know, what is something that you do that maybe people don't um, or may get offensive about or, or defensive? And I had to say one time, well, it is how I speak. You know, I am very passionate. I use my hands. I can be a little loud. And it's like, it's just my passion kind of coming through. I'm just used to speaking in this manner, you know, when it comes to my family and, and how I was raised, we just are very expressive when we, when we speak. It doesn't mean that I'm upset. It doesn't mean that I'm mad. I'm just, that's just how I speak. It's how I talk. And that's where I came from. So please don't feel like I am being mad at you or I'm trying to, or I'm upset about something. I'm just, that's just how I'm speaking. And so, so you know, saying that up front really helps. And, you know, cause some people may get a little turned off by the way that I talk, but if I tell them in advance, Hey, this is just what I'm used to. And this is how I was raised. Then they can understand and go, oh, okay, I understand. You know, that, that makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up, clearing that up. So sometimes you just kind of have to own up to it. And maybe you just have to warn people in advance and say, hey, this is really important for me for these reasons. And that can help uh, with a lot of communication between you and your teammates. Absolutely. What would you say is your superpower? My superpower? Oh, wow. I wish. No. <laughs> wow. That's an amazing question. What is my superpower? Um, you know, sometimes I, I, can be, mm, I can be confident. I do know that about me. And I learned that really young, actually, when, as a young engineer, I had a very strong female mentor, a couple actually. And one time there was an issue out on the shop floor and she's like, hey, Melanie, come follow me. I, I want you to kind of see how this works, how this process goes. And uh, we're out on the shop floor and we're talking to the supervisor and the supervisor, I, you know, had been working on, you know, this product for decades type thing. And, and I, you know, of course I value his experience. Uh, but when we were talking with him, you know, my senior engineer, she was explaining some details and he basically said, Hey, little lady, I've been doing this forever and that's not what we do. And that's different than what we normally do. And she's like, Hey, I'm sorry, but I'm the engineer and I'm going to tell you how this works. 
And she just had to be that way. It was at that moment that she's like, no, I understand that you have this experience, but we need to do it this way for this very specific reason. And so she did not let him talk down to her. And that was one of those moments. And we walked away and she's like, sometimes you need to be that way. They're going, or sometimes people can look down on you because you are a female, because you're Hispanic, or because you're short and you may, or you look young and they're going to assume you do not know these answers, but you need to allow yourself that to have that confidence to say, no, I know it. And we're doing it for a very specific reason. So in other words, I found the voice, like I found my voice and I found that it was important and it is important for me to speak up for, for certain reasons sometimes. So maybe that, that was my superpower. I, I found my voice and I realized that most days my voice is important. I would say all days your voice is important, honestly. But sometimes, you know, people don't have that confidence or know that. And I think that is ultimately the hardest journey. Right. Yeah, for sure. So how does it feel for you to be a role model for young people and Latinas who are interested in STEM and working in space and and helping them find their voice? I don't think it was one of those things that you say, oh, I aspire to be a role model. <laughs> so I'm just kind of getting used to that uh, of, wow, I'm a role model. Like, that's amazing. And I have had, you know, other engineers come up to me and say, wow, I want to do what you do. And I aspire to be like you when I grow up. And it's just like one of those moments that it's just like, wow, that's that's a little heavy some days. <laughs> like, it's like you're holding some responsibility. Uh, but, you know, I I would encourage anybody and everybody to pursue their dreams. And I'm here to help them pursue those dreams. I can tell you that I never thought that I could ever be qualified enough to lead a launch pad team for a human rated spacecraft. I never thought that was in the realm of possibility. I wasn't what you saw when you see these people doing that work. I was not like them. So it was just kind of in my head that I couldn't do it. And it was amazing that it, the events that transpired for me to do that job. And I hope that it does serve as an inspiration to others uh, that you can do it. Even though you see people not like you doing this work, it doesn't mean that you are not capable of doing it. So, you know, just push for your dreams and, and go after them. And don't ever believe you can't because you don't fit a mold. Yes, exactly. I feel like that's the whole point of us doing, you know, these podcasts and these features is the whole idea behind if you can see it, you can be it. And so we have to highlight those superstars. Um, do you happen to have any parting advice for future engineers and leaders who might be listening? Wow, I'm trying to think of what I haven't said already. <laughs> uh, you know what I would say? Uh, you know, people have asked me, you know, do you regret anything? Would you have changed anything? And I would say, absolutely not. I would not be where I am today if all of my previous events hadn't transpired. So there couldn't be anything that I could change because I may not be where I'm at today. Uh, I would also say that, you know, life is a journey. Um, you may you know, like me, I always wanted to do human space flight. I always wanted to go work at NASA and, and that was my dream. Uh, but, you know, things happened that prevented me from getting there right away. 
um, when I was graduating from college, it was right be- it was around the time that the space shuttle Columbia had broken up. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, things were, were happening at NASA and, and I wasn't going to get to join NASA right away, that I wasn't going to get to work on the space shuttle right away, and that uh, I needed to go off and do something else in the meantime. And, you know, kind of reflecting on that, it was, I was meant to go do something else. I was meant to go learn other things and learn more about myself uh, before I made my way to where I'm at right now. So even though a lot of times you just see you're in point A and you want to get to point B, um, point B is actually a very long winding road and that's okay. You are meant to go off and do other things and learn more about yourself. Because if I hadn't done all of those things, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So, you know, please remember, and if there is an obstacle that gets in your way, um, you, there are many ways to get around that obstacle. And maybe that obstacle was put there for a reason for you to learn something else about yourself or go off and take advantage of another opportunity that you may not have seen if that obstacle was not there. So just remember that. I mean, life is, is ever-changing. It is a, a journey. You are meant to enjoy that journey. Um, and, you know, really take advantage of every day. I was always in a rush, right? When I was in middle school, I was in a rush to get through high school. When I was in high school, I was in a rush to get to college. When I was in college, I was in a rush to get to, you know, my, my job. And every day, it always seems like a rush. I'm just always looking at the future, future, future. But I fail to enjoy the day and I need to remind myself like, hey, today is a full day. You can get a lot done today. You can do work and you can do a hobby and you can volunteer. Like you don't always look so far in the future that you forget that you're living a beautiful day. That's such great advice. Thank you. Well, Melanie, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and providing some really valuable insight for our current and future engineers, scientists, and leaders. Well, thank you, Marisa. It has been a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, if there's anything that I could do, I mean, I, I'm just so thrilled to be here. Um, and I encourage everybody to follow their dreams. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I'm Marissa Doyen. And for all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. Thank you.